InfoBMX Network Production. A cerebral and experienced look into the racing action from the week that was. This is Industry Seating with Jason Thomas. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Provo Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Concept Coatings Design Co., Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, and it is January 23rd. It's a Tuesday when I'm recording this, and I was a little bummed I didn't get time to get this out sooner, but in the end, it was a, it was a blessing in disguise because of the, uh, the social media post that Jason Anderson put out today, which we will talk about, but I, I would have hated to have done this podcast without covering that, and thankfully... It didn't happen. Before we get into this, thank the sponsors once again. Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Concept Coatings Design Co., Work Connection, ProGlow Wash, TL Speed Shop, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them for being a part of this in 2024. Check them out. They're all great companies, like-minded people, all into moto, even if they don't have moto products to sell. They're still super into moto, and uh, yeah, it's what brings us all together, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Well, actually, this weekend, more mud, and I'm so sick of mud. I'm just over it. Um, It had been a while since I'd really been in a mud race or a mud environment because, you know, we had a mud race at East Rutherford last year, but I'll be be really honest, I didn't have to deal with any of it. I uh, I was at the race. It was really nice all day. And it didn't start raining until night. And by the time it started raining, I was dry and inside a suite in MetLife Stadium. And then when they had that big intermission, I made a break for it and went to the hotel and watched the uh, the rest of it at the hotel bar. So I didn't have to deal with any of the uh, the drama or the water or the mud or anything that I'm subjected to in 2024. Now, if I had my choice, I would have been down there working and in the midst of it. Uh, no no questions asked. I would have been right in the middle of it. But I wasn't on the broadcast team for that event. So uh, I was uh, in the dry confines of the Hilton. I think I was staying at the Hilton for that weekend, which was, uh, was really nice, of course. But I certainly was this weekend again. That's two in a row. And when was the last time we had two mud races in a row? I can't certainly think of one. I'm sure... It's happened before. Anytime you think it hasn't happened, it's happened. But uh, I would love to hear from anyone if you know of one or can think of one. I can't think of two back-to-back mudders. Not like that, where it's like real mud. Um, But anyway, we certainly had it, and we're through it. We're going to have great uh, weather this coming weekend in Anaheim. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, January weather, when it's nice out in that part of the world, is beautiful because it's you know, really cool at night, like cool temperatures, almost like a light, light jacket, but just amazing during the day. The sun's warm, but not, there's no humidity in the air either. So it's just this really, really nice time of the year when weather is cooperating uh, in Southern California. And that's what we had to look forward to. And then all, we're off to Detroit the following weekend and Glendale. So we have a lot of great weather events uh, on the horizon. So that puts a smile on my face and I'm excited for, for that to show up. 
Too many class, Nate Thrasher wins, and he's back, right? And and it felt like, you know, I, I was trying to catch myself because I was thinking like, man, he's back. You know, we, we think about those wins he had in Atlanta years ago and whatever, but realistically, like, he was in this title fight last year with Hunter Lawrence until he got hurt in Atlanta. So I kind of have to check myself on the he's back type stuff and, and you know, whether it was – post-race stuff or the review pod or we filmed SMX Insider this morning, all those things, you kind of have to be like, well, wait a second. He was amazing last year. And yeah, he was out of sight, out of mind all summer. So it's easy to kind of fall into that trap. But this guy was the real deal. Most of, you know, the Supercross, East Coast Supercross series of 2022. And he's just kind of getting back to that, the limelight of that. You know, he was really good at A1 until the crash. San Francisco was a debacle for him, uh, which is kind of strange because he seems to be pretty good in the mud. But this is him back to form. And I'm, I'm not saying he's going to go out at Anaheim 2 and be on the pace of the leaders or win the race or do anything. Uh, but to get out there and win a race, it just had to feel so good for him. And after two really tough weekends, just to get some sort of redemption. And no matter what, no matter how the rest of the season goes, he won a race in 2024. Like, that's a huge deal for teams, for your negotiating uh, abilities with your, you know, to get a ride, stay on a factory team. Uh, those are all uh, that one coup, like having a race win on your resume is, is a really big deal. Uh, so that was, I thought it was really cool to see for him. And uh, yeah, he deserved it. He rode really, really well. Garrett Marchbanks, man, second place is awesome, but I can tell you firsthand, he was really, really angry uh, with not winning that race. He felt like the lappers got in his way, and he I, I think he knows he let one slip away. But that's part of it. You know, navigating lappers on that track was a recurring theme throughout the night. We all saw it, whether it was Sexton or Tomac or Webb or anybody. Like, it, it was, you know, something that everyone was dealing with. It was a story that just didn't go away throughout the main event. So for Marchbanks, yeah, it's who can navigate that the best. And sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's timing of where you just come up on guys. Sometimes it's decision-making. It, it can be lots of different things, and it doesn't have to be your fault. Um, it doesn't have to be the lapper's fault. You know, sometimes just things go a certain way, and that's that's fate, and that's the way the ball bounces, as they say. But he was not happy. <laughs> Make no mistake, he was not happy. Uh, Jordan Smith is like is doing the most un-Jordan Smith thing ever, which is just kind of hanging around at the front, right? He's putting in good results. He's staying consistent. He's taking what comes to him. He's not making key mistakes. He's not throwing races away. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe this is the new Jordan, right? But it's certainly a surprise for anybody who's really paid attention to Jordan's career. It's it's a bit surprising because this is always what he had trouble with. You know, speed wasn't a problem. Winning races or getting podiums wasn't a problem. It was the week in and week out avoiding the critical mistake. And no matter what the weather is, no matter what the situation is, just racking those points up and that's what he's doing and he doesn't have a huge points lead but he is doing the thing like he's doing what it takes to win championships stay on the podium win when when it's in the cards if it's not stay right there so good job for him um you know this is a long time coming and, and if he does end up being champion this year it will be well deserved because you look at the trials and tribulations he's gone through in his career and to come back this long after that 2017 ill-fated, you know, championship finale, 
And if he does get it done, man, it's it's a really cool story. And 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 if you don't know Jordan at all, he's really easy to cheer for. He's super nice, down to earth, no real ego. Um, yeah, just a genuinely nice guy. RJ Hampshire, oh, that was tough. And you hear me sighing because, man, um, you know, he for sure loses the podium there in in the last two corners, and, and he's going for it, right? And that's who RJ is. So if you're expecting RJ to not be RJ you're probably letting yourself down because that's who he is and that's who he's always going to be. And I had uh, an idea that he was going to kind of figure things out. And maybe he has, maybe it's just the mud that is causing all of this chaos, but it's really hard when you look at his body of work to not say it's just still RJ, you know, like it's just him being the same guy, you know, really fast, capable of winning, but also making really, really critical mistakes at inopportune times. So championship's far from over. We know that. He's only 13 points out of the lead. And all these guys can have bad races. You know, our Jordan Smith has been uncharacteristically perfect so far. So that doesn't, you know, he could, he could implode at any moment. We, we know that. We've seen it before. Um, so for RJ, you just got to get, get back on track. You were two corners away from a podium. And just put it together. Like, just go out, win the race, get on the podium, put points together, and take the lead from 13 down to whatever it can be 10, 7, whatever, right? Less than 13 should be the goal. That's how I kind of view these things is as long as you're making progress, you're going to have plenty of opportunity. We have showdown races to come. It's not always going to go against you. Um, just when the opportunity arises for you to get it done. You've got to get it done, right? And if he gets out front again, and that's that's part of the the difficulty and the struggle with this past weekend is he had it. He was winning the race and crashes. Then he's in third on the last lap and he crashes again. That's it's tough, man. That's a really that's those are things that keep you up at night if you're RJ. And I'm sure no one has to tell him that. It's just a really difficult thing uh, for him to probably swallow. Levi Kitchen, the last 250 rider I wanted to mention, same kind of thing. He let one get away, right? And, and I was talking on the broadcast about how you have to stay calm in those moments because you've done the hard work. You've got the start. You've got out of trouble. Now it's just you you and RJ kind of out front doing your thing. It's okay if RJ's out front. It's okay if RJ wants to go nuts and, like, put in these crazy sprint laps and take all these chances. So be it. Like, have at it, right? The race is really long. And you know who you're dealing with in RJ. Don't make the critical mistake. Don't be the one that caves. And in the end, both of them did. But that's where, you know, it's part of its youthful exuberance and they want to go out and win and there's adrenaline. I get all that. But as they get older, and it's really, I guess for RJ, you can't really say that. But the 450 guys, as they've gotten experience, would know that you can't screw it up. Like you can't panic. You can't be the one that I guess blinks first, right? Like you just have to be calm and cool and let the race come to you. That's kind of the phrasing I'm looking for is letting the race unfold, letting the race come to you. Don't try to force the issue on a racetrack like that. It's going to cause you nothing but pain and it's only going to hurt you. You, you can't take big chances on that track. You cannot do it. It will punish you every single time. And look at Ken Roxon in the 450 class. You take chances and you try to push the envelope on a racetrack like that, and you're going to end up on the ground or end up making huge mistakes. That's, uh, yeah, it's just really tough. So hate to see it. Um, that's just how, how it goes for these guys. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we'll see if, if anybody learns from these mistakes and kind of figures it out moving forward. If not, so be it, right? Like I'm, I'm here for all the chaos, but um, yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what next, uh, next weekend bring. So let's jump into the, uh, the power rankings as we do. It's going to be at the number 10 spot. I guess it should be in the number 10 spot. It's going to be Hunter Lawrence, and it's I don't know if he's ever been in before. I don't think so. I know he's brand new to the 450 class, but I'm, I'm thinking if there was a weirdo dynamic where I ever worked him into this, this power ranking. I don't believe so, though, but he's in. And there's really been nothing special to, to talk about with his riding. It's not like he had a breakout ride and got to put him in now. Now, I just think it's been – one of those things where a body of work and now he's gotten two top tens in a row and he's kind of finding his way a little bit, but nothing to write home about just kind of solid rides. And he could very easily not be here because if Malcolm Stewart was doing literally anything at all, you know, he would be in here. You could say maybe the same about Christian Craig. He could be in here, but um, Hunter said enough. I, I think he, he deserves uh, a nod here and a shot to stay inside the top 10. Uh, for at least a week. We'll see. See what see how it pans out. Number nine, Justin Barsha, and he gets podium. So you have to have him in your top ten. No question about it. Uh, after a podium, and that's two weeks in a row in the number nine spot. And you could say, how do you have him higher? He just got a podium. Blah blah. Well, I don't know. It gets really tough because look at the riders in front of him. That's what I always say. Like it's not just about Barsha. It's about what do I do with the people that I have in front of him? Like they. They probably deserve to be in front of them over the course of three rounds so far. So these are always fluid and arguable, but I'm going to leave Barsha here for now. And if I see him put another ride in at Anaheim too, then I think he'll rocket up the leaderboard a bit, if that makes sense. Um, but for now, I'm going to leave him at number nine. Dylan Francis is eight, and same thing. Like I don't know how he's eight. I really don't. Look at his results. He's been really solid. He's been right around like four, five, six the whole time. It's unfair to him, but I'm in the same predicament as the guys in front of him have done more. Like it's really, really challenging. And all these guys, you know, it's not even so much about whether you're six or eight. It's more of like notoriety and they deserve to be called out because they're doing so well. But it's, I could understand if you're a Dylan Fernandez fan, you're looking at him in eighth and you're like, what the hell? I I'm thinking what the hell too. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. Number seven is Jason Anderson. And this is going to be the story for a bit. And talked about this a couple of times on a couple different shows now, but there's two different things going on. You know, there's Jack trying to get to the front and he's trying to chase every point. I think he still believes that there's a podium in the cards for him to go get. And he runs into the back of a Jason Anderson who is holding on trying to stay within the top five. And, and these conditions aren't ideal for Jason Anderson. We know that. But he's also super savvy, and he's a veteran, and he knows where you can basically hold your line and where the passing zones are. And, you know, Jet got in there and tried to get aggressive with him a couple times, and I don't think Jason Anderson appreciated that so much. So once Jason got annoyed with that, he just – made sure he went really slow in the race line in the areas where he knew he couldn't pass. And that allowed him to rest, take a deep breath, pull tear offs, do all sorts of things. And there was probably a little attitude in there as well. Like he was probably, uh, you know, kind of 
showing his displeasure with Jet Lawrence, and, and I'm sure Jet was probably yelling at him too. So all this was building, and, and they weren't going all that fast. You're in a mud race kind of cruising around the racetrack. So Jet finally makes a move, makes an aggressive pass, which wasn't a thing, but Jet's furious, right? Like Jet felt like Anderson was holding him up on purpose, which he kind of was. He's, hold, he's trying to hold his position, which is, that's not intentionally holding him up. It wasn't like he was trying to hold Jet from moving forward. He's just trying to keep Jet behind him because they're in a race, you know, plain and simple. Jet didn't like it at all. You know, I, I, I know the moves he didn't like. If there's a video floating around out there of Jason Anderson, like, swerving over at Jet on a straightaway. I get it. That would make me mad, too. Um, I'm sure Jason Anderson was already frustrated at Jet, yelling at him and, and you know, trying to trying to get around him. And, and I'm sure there was just a lot of cat and mouse going on. So both of them are wound up at that point. So they pull off the track and Jet waits on him. And then Jet starts unloading on him. And right, right away, you're like, yeah, that's not the guy you want to start a thing with. You don't want to yell at that guy. You don't want to give him a reason to go after you, period, right? Then Jason tries to leave. Like they're yelling at each other and Jason's like, all right, I'm out of here. And then Jet grabs him. And that's where it really goes sideways because now you're you've crossed the line if you're jet and then jason really really didn't like that and he's you see him start jerking jet's helmet around violently in retaliation to that right so in my opinion both of them were over the line you know a jet started it jason then took it i think a step too far and i think both of them would probably agree that it, it got out of hand but now there's a problem and now Jason Anderson feels slighted. He's not happy with Jet. He's not happy with Jet's management. Uh, I don't think that Jet has apologized to him in person, which was the point of today's post. And that's not good. That's not good for anybody because, well, I don't think Jason Anderson cares, right? He's probably here for it. You know, this is the thing that he thrives on. But for Jet, it's all bad. And it is so bad because it's hard enough to win a championship when everybody likes you. And just it's hard enough to be the fastest guy and the best guy over 17 rounds without this rider who is incredibly gifted at causing other people problems and harm and difficulty when given the opportunity. And that's Jason Anderson. And you could say the same for Justin Barsha if it ever went that way. But you don't you don't ever want to play games with someone who is an expert in gamesmanship. You know, that's just not what you want to do. You don't want to walk into somebody else's area of expertise. And screwing around and the cat and mouse stuff and knocking each other down, that's what Jason Anderson knows how to do. Like, he's one of the best I've ever seen at it. You do not want to be in that scenario with him when the only goal is to get as many points as possible each weekend. It's just a bad, bad setup. And I think that's why you saw Jet's dad, Jet's agent, Honda, everybody coming out and trying to diffuse it and calm things down because they know that, right? But the other thing here is I don't think Jet is sorry. I don't. I don't believe that he is ready to make nice with Jason Anderson. And, and that's probably his youth. And I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but immaturity shining through. that He's only 20. And I mean that purely just being honest, not like Jet's at fault for it. I had things at 20 that were wildly immature too. Everybody does. So don't get those words twisted. Don't think that I'm saying that as a mean thing towards Jet, because I'm not. I'm a huge Jet fan, and I get called out for being a Jet fan, but I am. But he's also young, and he's also not been in this situation before. And I think he's acting out 
out of emotion when he really needs to be acting out of logic and calm and uh, deductive reasoning and all the things that come to you later in life. That's what he needs to be. That's how he needs to be looking at this, not the knee jerk reaction of no way I'm going to go get that guy. Like it's on now. Like that's, that's not going to serve you well. That's only going to hurt you in the end. You know, I get it. I can be hot headed too at times, not so much as I've gotten older, but certainly when I was younger and it doesn't really serve a purpose other than just to get you in more drama with other riders. Now, if you use it as fuel to ride faster, great. But I would, I would implore him to not pick fights. You know, you don't fight, you don't pick a fight with a UFC fighter, right? And I, I know that's a, it's kind of a weird example to use, but the same thing. You don't get, want to get into a tit for tat with Jason Anderson because he's too damn good at it. Um, so yeah, I don't, we'll see how this goes, but that's kind of how I see this and how I would kind of break that down. Number six is Aaron Plessinger and I'll be damned if he didn't win the race, right? Like unbelievable. You know, we were all waiting for this moment after Detroit last year. Not only is it like this emotional win, everybody's going crazy, happy for him, his wife. There wasn't a person in the building that wasn't happy for him. Maybe outside of Jet and Jason Anderson, they were in their own thing. But he gets the red plate too. Like that is amazing. So to have AP at six is the same spot I'm in with Ferrandis, the same spot I'm in with Barsha. Like, I don't know what, to, what else to do, man. Like I, I can't put him ahead of Roxon and Webb and Tomac and these guys because of their body of work. I cannot do it. So he's got to be at six for now. Number five is Cooper Webb, and Webb was riding incredibly well. He is not happy with Chase Sexton. I don't think he's very happy with Eli Tomac either uh, because Tomac really wasn't getting out of the way. But it's hard to kind of blame them when they're battling for their own championship. All they're worried about is going and getting as many points as possible. They don't care about the race at the front. And I know that's not, um, no, that's not the etiquette that they need to have. That's not the etiquette they would appreciate if they were lapping Cooper Webb. But I think that's reality in the moment is they were just trying to get as many points as humanly possible at that time. And also you got to remember they haven't been lapped maybe ever, you know, like being lapped is not something they deal with a lot. So to expect them and one of the only times they're ever going to get lapped in their career to get it exactly right is probably foolish. Like I've said that a couple of times already on shows, but I, I truly believe that. Your first time ever encountering encountering a certain situation, I don't know how you could expect anybody to just nail it, like know what to do, know the proper etiquette, know how to handle things, know when to get out of the way. Like those are all things that they don't really deal with or think about very often. Um, so it's not surprising to see them kind of foul it up a little bit. At number four is Ken Roxon. And I didn't know whether to put Webb or Roxon here, but... I ended up going with Roxon at four because he was so good in the playoffs last year and because of his World Supercross stuff. And maybe that's not a fair assessment, but I'm trying to look at all the different way, different parts of the series. And Roxon got a Tomac or a podium in San Francisco. I thought he would have gotten a podium pretty easily at round one had he not been in that first turn pileup. So I'm, it's six and one half a dozen, half a dozen in the other with a couple of these. So if you wanted to go four and a half for Roxon and Webb, I'd be cool with that. Uh, but man, when you think about Ken Roxon's race, that is so uncanny to throw that away. You know, most times he's at least getting a podium there, if not winning. When you think about the mud, you think about him being out front, like he's so, 
He has so much experience with that scenario. I was very surprised to see him throw it away. It was very, very uncharacteristic of Ken Roxon to do it. But he's riding really well. And when I tell you that his results are 10-3-12, that's hard to believe. With the way he's riding, that is hard to believe. But that's what it is. That's what the results are. Number three, Eli Tomac. And, you know, he's got one podium on the year. This weekend was not his fault. It, there's a video out there. I don't know where it is. I saw it on Twitter of Christian Craig basically going sideways on the track into Tomac. And Tomac was completely just a bystander in that incident. So you feel for Tomac, but that's two rough races and one really good one for Tomac. So that's not great for points. I mean, he's okay. No one's really checking out on points, uh, but I know he's got to be, he's got to be frustrated with, um, you know, two out of the three races anyway. Chase Sexton, first lap crash, you know, it's happened to almost everybody at this point. It really hurt his momentum. I mean, he was riding okay, right? He was chasing Tomac and he did get lapped. You know, I was arguing with Steve about that. Like by definition, if you're getting lapped and they catch you and pull away, you're not going as fast as the leaders. And I, that's not something I usually say about Chase Sexton. So you could argue he should have been going faster. Now, I don't know if his bars were bent or something was going on with that, um, but he, he wasn't going as fast as the leaders were. That's pretty clear. I do know that Cooper Webb is not happy with him. Cooper gave him the finger when he went by him, felt like he got in his way on purpose. I don't really believe that. You know, Chase went outside and went to do that double, and Cooper kind of rammed it in there trying to force a pass, and he didn't really have it, right? And that's that's not something I'm going to say to Cooper, but he didn't have the right angle. Like, he rammed it in there hoping he could just sneak by, and it didn't work, and it cost Cooper Webb a ton of time. But in a a normal scenario, he would never make that move there because he wasn't set up for it. He, he wasn't close enough to be taking that aggressive of an angle. And the only way it would ever work is you have to count on Sexton letting up. I mean, absolutely checking up is the only way that's ever going to work. And it didn't seem like Chase Sexton was in any mood to check up at all there. So you could blame Chase Sexton all you want. I think Cooper has to take a little blame there too. You have to know when you have the pass and when you don't, especially someone as savvy and as experienced as Cooper. But I think emotions were getting the best of them. Like he felt like he had a real shot to get Plessinger and, and it didn't go his way. It, it happens. Number one, I still have Jed here and, and I understand if you don't like it. Um, but I, I still think he's the best rider on earth. I still think he, his career trajectory, his ceiling is the highest and he still deserves to be here. Um, he went from last to fourth this weekend. San Francisco wasn't good, but he won the opener. And I know it's been a rough couple of weeks. The internet's melting down. But if you're Jet, I think you just take a deep breath. You stay off the internet. You just go riding this week. You ride your bicycle. Don't look at YouTube. Don't look at Twitter. Don't look at the internet. Don't do interviews. Just check out for a minute. And I know that's hard to do, right? Because he has responsibilities and everybody's going to be asking him and sending him videos and friends are going to be texting him. Hey, did you see this? Do you see that? Like you got to, if I'm him and I'm coaching him, if I'm his father, if I'm anybody that has influence over him, I just say, hey, we're done. Like, no phones. Okay, you want to hang out with your girlfriend. I don't even know if he has one. Hang out with your girlfriend. You can hang out with your brother. You can hang out with your friends. But we're not talking about this weekend. We're not talking about Jason Anderson. We're not watching any of this crap of people's opinions. And that's all they are, his opinions. We're staying away from all that. And we're going to go to Anaheim 2. And we're going to go do our job at the Triple Crown. And let just let it be. Stay out of it. Keep your head down. Let's just do our work and get back to work at Anaheim 2. And I know that's harder said you know, it's harder said than done, but I think that's the best course of action. 
just let things calm down for a second. And you're going to have to deal with Jason Anderson. There's no question about that. And maybe, maybe, I don't know how I feel about this, but I could understand a world where somebody's like, hey, we're going to call, you're going to call Jason Anderson and talk to him. I don't know if Jet's up for it. And I don't know if it would go real well, because I don't think, I don't believe that Jet is sorry for how things went. I, I think he probably regrets it because of the result and now the consequences. But I don't think he's sorry. I think he felt like Anderson was doing it on purpose. That's my opinion. And that's that's exactly what I would tell Jet to not listen to. Don't listen to my opinion. Don't watch, don't listen to this podcast. Don't do anything like that uh, because it's just going to stir things up even more. But I, I truly in my heart don't believe the Jet's really sorry. Like I think he harbors hard feelings for how that went. And he's gonna have to approach that this weekend with, with Anderson. Maybe not, maybe don't see each other in a heat or in the main event. But at some at some race in the future, they're gonna be near each other and this is going to come to the surface again. And maybe it doesn't amount to anything, or maybe it does. Maybe Anderson goes for the jugular. We will see. I don't know, but it is going to be a lingering uh, topic for a little bit and so be it that's what makes it racing great right if, unless you're in the midst of it and have to deal with all this stuff that's what we're here for that's why we love it so much so you're not going to find me shying away from it i'm leaning into it but i also don't have to deal with the repercussions of it i don't have to go face jason anderson on the racetrack and i don't have to face jet on the racetrack all i have to do is report on it talk about it and enjoy every second of it so that's it for this week thank you again to all the sponsors thank you to all the listeners i tried to make it a little shorter this week um, but I think this story with the Jet and Jason thing is, is really going to ramp. So if there's more to the story, I'll try to give an update. Uh, but I, I, I'm so thankful that I didn't record this before because I've, I would have had to do it over again. So that's it. We'll talk to you soon. See you.